I go for lunch at the same restaurant every single day when I'm at the office. But if that restaurant is smart, and they are, they'll look at, at people like me and say, you know, what is it about that customer that keeps coming back? You're listening to Making It with John Davids. Hey guys, you know what a lot of young entrepreneurs ask me? The one question I get, I wouldn't say it's the most common question, but certainly up there among the most common questions I get with people that are in the earlier stages of starting their business or have maybe built something, they're a few years in and they, they want to make it better. How do I know if it's time to pivot my business? Or how do I know if it's time to go a different direction, not change what I'm doing entirely, but just make it better, make it a little better because it feels like it's not really where it needs to be. So I'll use the term pivot, but really you got to think about it, not in terms of, of, of changing anything dramatically, just what are some things to look at to see if you need to get to the next level or to see if you can get to the next level, if there's a place you can go that's beyond where you are right now and, and you can get there pretty quickly. So I'm going to talk about six things to look at to determine if your business needs this kind of pivot. The first one I would say is actually pretty simple. Everybody should be doing this and evaluating their business at least once a year, maybe even a little more frequently than that. And that is, does 80% of your revenue come from 20% of the activity? The classic 80-20 rule. And the answer is probably. Especially if you haven't optimized in a long time or ever, you're going to find that 80% of your revenue comes from 20% of the activity. One of the quickest ways to optimize your business is to study the 80%. What are customers attracted to? What drives this revenue? Learn everything there is to know about your 80% and then lean into it. This first tip, if you did nothing else, could actually pivot your way to major success. This could, this could lead to a game changer for you. And the reason is because the 80-20 rule is a classic, tried and tested. This is a well-known thing that a lot of people spend a lot of time doing a bunch of stuff that actually doesn't produce results. And the stuff that you spend you know, 20% of your time doing produces 80% of the results. So just figuring out what is that product? What is that sales strategy? What is that marketing channel? What is that, that thing that I do all the time that leads to most of my results? Look at your profit and loss statement. Check out where your revenue is coming from. See if there are any patterns there. It might not be as obvious as just looking at the product line, but look at the tactics behind it. What, what drove you to that success? And see if there's a way to lean into the 80% uh, and, and make that your entire business. Okay, number two. Is there one thing you sell that has more predictable revenue than the rest? So let me say that again. Is there something you sell that has more predictable revenue than the rest? A dollar that you can predict today is worth more than $2 that you can't foresee tomorrow. And it's not because of anything like, oh, I'm impatient. I don't want to wait for the money. I want to be able to know where the money's coming from and how much is coming in. Predictable revenue allows you to plan and act with confidence. Unpredictable revenue keeps you scrambling. Even when it comes, the fact that you didn't know it's going to come will leave you without a plan. You need to focus your attention on growth and predictable revenue lets you accomplish this. If there's one product you sell, with predictability, lean into it. It will take you a long way. 
Um, I ran a business. One of my earlier companies did a lot of revenue. Really, really good business. It was profitable. The, our revenue went up every year. One problem was that it was all transactional revenue with little to no predictability. A, cu- a customer would come in the door on a Tuesday and they'd want the product out the door on the Thursday. And we didn't know on the Monday a day prior that that revenue was even going to come in. How do you plan a business like that? How do you hire? How do you scale? How do you plan out what the next quarter or the next year is going to look like? It's just impossible. You can't make investments in the future if you don't know with any predictability what's going to happen. So check around for what you're selling. Check around for how you're selling it and see if there's a way to increase the predictability of what you do. Number three, is there one thing you sell that's stickier than the rest? So this is about repeat clients. And repeat uh, clients are great because they take away a lot of the headaches you face as a business owner. You win a new piece of business today and you know that it will keep paying you for a long time to come. So keep an eye out for sticky products. When you find a sticky product, determine what makes it sticky and reverse engineer that. Can you apply that same stickiness to other things you sell? Can you sell more of it? And if so, go for it. Now, the easiest reference to think about here is something like real estate or a SaaS software product. Let's take real estate for a second. When you rent out your rental house or your your rental property and you get paid, let's say, $2,500 a month in rent, you got a pretty certain uh, expectation, I would say pretty much 100% if you've got a a good lease agreement, that that $2,500 a month is going to keep coming in certainly for the next year and maybe even beyond that. If you have a good tenant, you're talking to them, hey, you enjoying it here? Do you want to stay around for another year? You've got real stickiness on that product. Same with uh, subscription software or an app that people pay a monthly fee, they set it and forget it. Maybe it's a a month or a box of the month club or a subscription to razors or vitamins or whatever it is you're selling. Those are the best kinds of products. And those that build businesses on subscription models understand this. They bake it into the DNA of the product. Now, a lot of people don't have the the, uh, good fortune of selling a product on subscription, but what is it about your product that makes it sticky? Is there some addictive mechanism to it? I don't mean addictive in in some type of immoral way, but is there something about it that's going to keep people coming back? Really good example of this in the non-subscription world is something that becomes a daily ritual. Think about where you get your morning cup of coffee from. Think about where you go uh, every week to get that same dinner that you really like or that same pizza uh, because you you have a family pizza party. Um, think about rituals in your life and what those businesses did to create that ritual. A classic example is when the retail industry invented holidays for shopping. Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Valentine's Day, uh, Christmas shopping season. Right? These are all just invented by the retail industry because they knew that that created stickiness in their product. Learn from the best. Learn from what made them so successful and determine where you can find stickiness and where you can manufacture stickiness in your product. Okay, number four. Do you have happier clients in one area of your business? Figure out what makes your clients happy and what is it they love exactly. A happy client says a lot about what you're doing right. And they might have answers to questions that you never thought to ask. So if you have a client that's considered, we call them friendlies. Who are your friendly clients? Who are the ones that just keep coming back 
with predictability. They love your client. They write nice reviews on your Amazon store. You know, they, they leave great comments on your, on your Shopify, whatever it is. You like them. They like you. They, they enjoy you. They're not looking around for competing bids. Hey, you can raise your price a little bit. No problem. You deliver great value. I'm going to keep coming back. I go for lunch at the same restaurant every single day when I'm at the office. Go down the street. There's a restaurant I like. There's a guy there behind the cash I say hi to every day. He knows my name. I don't even have to ask for my order. I just He sees my face. He makes me my lunch. Right? What is it about me that makes me happy? I, I could go off a list of things of, of the reasons I go to this restaurant again. But if that restaurant is smart, and they are, uh, they'll look at, at people like me and say, you know, what is it about that customer that keeps coming back? So, so think about your happiest customer and try to reverse engineer what it is that makes them so happy and try to find other customers like them. One last thing I'll say about this, try to be selective with your customers. So many business owners say, well, you know, if somebody wants to pay me a dollar, I'm glad to work with them. And that's true at the beginning. But as you scale, find your happiest customers and think about where you can attract more people like that. A happy customer will make your life much, much easier. Number five. Is there one area of your business with little to no competition? They say competitors make you better. And that's sort of true, but it's also kind of bullshit because people say that uh, they like to be in highly competitive markets because it makes them better. But this is really what you say when you're in some kind of you know, public relations setting where you want to sound like a, like a good fighter. The reality is uh, somebody like Sam Zell said it best. Sam Zell says, frankly, there's no substitute for limited competition. You can be a genius, but if there's a lot of competition, it won't matter. It'll be very hard to build your business. I think I've also heard Sam Zell, by the way, if you don't know Sam, go check out, uh, go Google Sam Zell, phenomenal real estate investor, billionaire businessman, and just a real inspiration to me. Uh, I've had the chance to meet him and, and just, just a, just a one-of-a-kind kind of guy. The, the thing to understand about what Sam's saying, and he's very blunt about it. He's actually made a, 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 a personality out of being very blunt, a public image. He'll say, competition is great for you. It's not great for me. I'm the one that owns the business. I don't want the competition. You as the customer want the competition, not me. You know, if you have an area of business where you have blue sky or greenfield opportunity, there's different words uh, to describe this, but an opportunity where there's a lot of customers who want your product, but there's just not a lot of competition. There's not a lot of people doing it. That's a great place to be. And listen, it doesn't have to be a, a, a reinvention of the wheel here. You could offer your product in an interesting way. There are plenty of boutiques that are beside a Walmart, but they're not afraid of that Walmart. They're not afraid that you're going to go to Amazon. They know they offer an experience that you have to go there for. It's the product set. It's the people. It's the store design. It's the location. It's the hours. It's a whole collection of things. It's a package that they provide that, that attracts you. So what's one area of your business where you have little to no competition? Think about that, examine it, and maybe it's something you can lean into as well. Number six, where's the profit? Oh, you know me. I love profit. I love cash flow. It allows you to reinvest in your business. It allows you to pay back your shareholders. It allows you to pay your people well. This is my favorite. And surprisingly, it's one that, that gets the most pushback. So many companies are so focused on growth at all costs that they don't pay attention to the profit. I like profit. Profit lets you invest, like I said, back in all the things that make you better. So if there's a part of your business that is more profitable than the others, 
make it a bigger part of your business. And this is twofold. Number one, for all the reasons I just mentioned. But the second reason that finding your profitable niches is so important, finding your cash cows, is because they allow you to invest in other things. So you don't have, you know, you can say, well, yeah, but I'm not interested in profit. I'm interested in growth. Well, good news. You can reinvest in growth with more profits. So, you know, every, every time you look at a company, whether it's uh, News Corp back in the day or Amazon, all these companies that reinvest in growth and are able to grow and become these powerhouses, Berkshire Hathaway, another great example, it's not because they had magic powder that allowed them to grow. It's because they had profit. They had cash flow that they were able to invest in more assets, more businesses that were also able to grow and you know spit off cash flow. And they kept doing that, right? Amazon is not magic. Uh, it has cash coming from one business that feeds the other businesses. If it didn't have that, it wouldn't be able to grow. Where do you have profits? Where can you use those profits to reinvest in growth? All right, let's do the TLDR checklist. Number one, where am I seeing the most revenue? Number two, where's the predictable revenue coming from? Number three, where's the sticky revenue? Where's that coming from? And can I do more of it? Number four, where are my happiest clients? Five, where's my least amount of competition? And six, where is the profit coming from? Love that profit. Okay, guys, hope you enjoyed this and hope you can use some of these tips to make your business better today. If you enjoyed this content, I'm going to ask you to do two things. Number one, please subscribe to this channel. Subscribe on Apple, on Spotify, wherever you're listening to this. That'll help us move up the charts. Leave a comment, leave a rating or a review. Makes it makes things better. And of course, follow me at Real John Davids on Twitter, hashtag making it. Want to hear from you and I'll talk to you guys soon.